week's Red Voices. Thank you as ever for stopping by. Just to give you a rundown of what we've got on this week's two-parter episode, it's you and Rich on hand to first discuss that rather enjoyable FA Cup fifth round victory over Chelsea. And then we switch gears and discuss Sunday's rather interesting draw against Liverpool and the Wednesday night's 3-1 win away to Crystal Palace. Enjoy! Richard, how's tricks? Good. I'm really pleased that the uh, what things we were saying about the PSG game last week kind of came to pass in that it's one of those things. Teams lose games against good teams sometimes. We've responded in the... Ollie's responded, the whole team's responded in the perfect way. Yeah, it worked out quite well in the end, didn't it? I mean, given the nature of the draw, given that we just played uh, Arsenal at the Emirates away from home, getting a draw away to Stamford Bridge where we haven't won since 2012, and that was in... Very fortuitous circumstances in Ferguson's last season. Do you remember that game? That was where Torres and Ivanovic both got sent off and Anders scored an offside winner. So I think it's fair to say we were somewhat lucky to get away with the win there. But, you know, we've come close a couple of times since. Uh, You know, there was that draw in Van Gaal's second season where Costa scored a late equaliser. And now you're on this season, you know, in one of the rare moments of uh, enjoyment from the first half of this campaign. Uh, two one up going into stoppage time, and then Ross Bartley got that uh, equaliser. But still, you know, I mean, I think it was an interesting one coming into the game, considering that Chelsea had been at such a low ebb over the last several months. You know, I think after a very solid start, they've just looked like a complete team, completely bereft of anything. You know, and so it kind of proved last night. But I think the biggest thing for us, obviously, was getting a reaction from the team after the PSG defeat. You know, you, you, we knew that Martial and Lingard weren't going to be available so it was a case of how Solskjaer and the team could adapt to that change but also pull something tactically different out of the bag so we weren't going to get stuck in the same rut and I think for the most part they did that really didn't they? Yeah I think the one big question obviously was that Oli to a degree got out coached in the in the PSG game in that obviously he lost his two of his front three who were very mobile very quick by bringing on Matter and Sanchez, he essentially allowed PSG to play 10-20 yards further at the pitch and ended up dominating the second half and so it was going to be interesting to see how against Chelsea he changed things to incorporate the players that he had fit rather than sticking with the system that served him well with Martial and with Lingard and the team. So it was really interesting to see him go with essentially with Mata behind the front two of Rashford and Lukaku and then what turned out to be really quite an offensive three with Matic basically the only holding player and Herrera and, and Pogba both given licence to get up and down the pitch as, as they needed to. As you say, we have. I think I'm right in saying that we've only won at Stamford Bridge twice since we won there in '99 in the cup. Someone will prove me wrong. Doesn't sound wrong. I mean, the only other one that comes to mind is the Champions League uh, quarterfinal first leg. Oh, that's true. We did. We, well, it's three then because we beat them. I think we beat them three nil as well in about 2001 or two. I'm pretty sure we won there in 2001 or two. So I mean, anyway, three, three times in. Essentially, in almost twenty years, and you think of the circumstances of the games that we've failed to win there in the in the, in that time. There's been an awful lot of unfortunate stuff and, all, and an awful lot of really poor performances as well. So it's really interesting to see how Oli would change things, and what he did was demonstrate to everybody that again that he's able to put together a, a tactical plan which is appropriate to the players he's got and appropriate to the team we're playing against. He really kind of put to bed the idea that PSG had exposed him which seemed to be quite prevalent in some quarters yeah I mean personally what I was hoping to see was something on the lines of last night after the PSG game because I'm still not 100% on board the Solskjaer gets the manager job trained just yet I, I think he's done an incredible job so far 
and you can't take away this record. What is it? 13 games, 11 wins, one draw and one defeat. And the one defeat was against the best team in France. All right, that's not necessarily saying anything because there's a lot of really not very good teams in France. But still, that was elite opposition last week, even without Neymar and Cavani. And the manner of that defeat didn't bother me so much. I think what I wanted to see this week was that Solskjaer could adapt to the situation because what have we seen so commonly over the last four years is we've had managers who have one way of playing one strategy one approach one quote-unquote philosophy to think back to the great Louis van Hal, and essentially if that didn't work then we were scuppered sorry last night Solskjaer's A game wasn't available how could he cope well it turned out he coped out quite well you know we do have to make sure that we clarify that Chelsea are in real trouble at the minute in terms of their attack but they still created, against the worst team or a less effective team with a less effective setup, they could easily have scored a couple of goals last night. They had enough sights at goal or at least enough pressure in the box that lesser teams would have crumbled. So I think that's the big thing to take away from it. And in particular, because we've noted that Mata and Lukaku and Sanchez had struggled in this approach, in this attacking press, I think it was really good to see Mata at the, at the tip of that diamond performing quite well. You know, he wasn't in the nitty-gritty of both goals, but he was a key part of making sure that we're able to actually attack at those times. I think one of the big things as well was that for that game, I guess this is just a consequence of playing at Stamford Bridge. You know, you expect Chelsea are going to get more possession. And in particular, in that first half, when we did get the ball, Chelsea really pushed us high up the pitch. We had very little time to pass around. But the way that we're attacking, that almost suits us at the minute because it forces us to play quickly. It forces us to move the ball out fast. It forces us to make passes like Pogba did for the second goal for Rashford. And we find that space and we get those opportunities. You know, we didn't have a multitude of chances last night, but the chances that we got were carved out very well. It was quick, it was incisive, and it was really, really deadly efficient, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. I think what the expression that the commentator used on BBC, I think he, he said after the Pogba goal that we've been brutal. And I think that you could kind of use that expression for a lot of our games this season and that we finished an inordinate number of our chances. We're now seven games, seven away games in a row we've won, which is an equal club record, which which is incredible, really, mm-hmm. if you think about it. We've conceded two, I think, two goals in those seven away games. So we're, we're obviously able to play in a way that's incre- incredibly compact away from home, but also very, very devastating on the counter-attack and if Mourinho's watching well I'm sure he's paying attention I don't know whether he'd be actually watching the games that would be hard but essentially what we did at Chelsea was what he wanted this team to do but was completely incapable of actually making you do it so it's, it's got to be slightly galling but you were talking about you just couldn't wait to get that in could you but it's, but it's true isn't it that that game was really what he wanted us to the, the difference is that, that United were much more proactive in the first half than we would have been under Mourinho, we'd have, we'd have sat deep and we'd have soaked up pressure and we'd have been reactive. We'd have probably gone a goal down and then had to fight back or whatever as we did in the league game. But you were talking about managers being flexible in the, in the Chelsea game. One manager who has proven himself to be incredibly flexible with the players he's got, which we accept are not complementary to each other. We've got a lot of players and there might be good players in their own right, but they don't all fit into a system that's really functioning. There are mismatched players versus Sarri, who is essentially sleepwalking to the sack because he's got absolutely no plan B whatsoever. And one of the clever things we did was in playing matter in the hole, where we did, he also occupied Jorginho. And he was able to press Jorginho because Jorginho is equally as slow as matter is. (laughs) So it's a fair contest. Also occupy Jorginho when United had the ball. And although Mata didn't do anything spectacularly himself, I think it was important the position he played and the, the way he was able to move 
the players about in front of him. So it was it was just really good to see us again come up with a different system to face a particular opponent. And given how utterly rubbish, also unfortunate, we've been at Stamford Bridge in a long time, I think that's probably the most comfortable away win I can recall for quite a long time. Now, I mean, Fulham was, Fulham was great, but it was an incredibly comfortable game, wasn't it, really, once we scored the first goal? No, no, sorry. The Chelsea game was once we got the once. We, no, no, I was saying it was probably one of the most comfortable away games we've had in a while. But I just realised we've had quite a few comfortable away games. It's becoming a habit, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I guess the big thing coming into that first goal was that up until that point, the game was pretty even. You know, we yeah, started yeah. off on the front foot, then Chelsea started to exert a little bit more pressure. I don't necessarily think they should feel hard done by for having lost, but up until that goal you probably say that Chelsea had exerted the higher amount of pressure purely because when United did have the ball in those rare instances and, you know, as the game wore on, Chelsea were pressing so high up the pitch that it really forced us to act quickly. And, you know, to be fair, Hazard was looking dangerous down that left-hand flank and especially with Ashley Young getting that early booking, which I thought was a little bit harsh and especially for Matic as well in that first half as well. Getting a booking for that seemed a little bit unnecessary, but still, there we go. I think it was just seeing how we coped with things like Louise with that free kick, you know, palmed away by Romero and then Pedro with the follow-up. And again, Romero's on it. You know, side note for him, he's come into the side in these FA Cup games and been absolutely spot on. I think he's been superb between the sticks. It's like De Gea isn't necessarily needed in those games. You know, you take for granted just how good he is and then you've got a backup like Sergio Romero can come in and have a performance like that. You know, he's looking these days more commanding, more with it. And on those rare occasions where we actually get to see him, I don't feel anywhere near as worried as I used to feel, which is great. But yeah, I mean, that goal in particular, it really did come out of the fact that when we did get forward and when we did start moving the ball quickly, you know, match of the day flagged it up last night in the sense that Mata had enough space and time to get the ball out wide to Pogba. Rudiger didn't really put in a challenge. Pogba teased and teased and teased and he waited for someone to show themselves Herrera steamed into the box. Marcus Alonso absolutely nowhere. And the delivery couldn't have been more perfect. I thought he'd absolutely overhit that, but it's just on a postage stamp right to where Herrera was going to be. Kepper had absolutely no chance and a great way to take the lead. The second one, though, just the build-up to that. Anyone who's got a vendetta against Paul Popper can't fail to enjoy the intricacies of that goal. First of all, winning the ball back from Kante, I think it was. And then passing it out wide to Rashford. Yes, Louise did give him a bit of a hand by basically standing off him and giving him the opportunity to put in what was an absolute peach of a cross. You know, deliveries for both goals were absolutely superb last night, weren't they? You know, Rashford, you wouldn't necessarily say he's noted for his crossing, but that was Beckham's delivery. It was perfect. And then Pogba with a header that, you know, I mean, you look at it this way. Had De Gea let that squirm through, I might have been a little bit miffed. But at the same time, Pogba's just hit it with such power that I don't really think the keeper's got much of a chance of saving it. At 2-0 at that point, you know, you heard the boos rain down at Stamford Bridge at half-time just as the teams were going in. It felt like we'd really taken control of the game. And I guess going into the second half, the one note of caution from that whole performance was very key after the break. We were absolutely brilliant off the ball. I thought, on it, we were rubbish. You know, in terms of actually being able to hold the ball up, in terms of being able to make any decent counter-attacks. I think we created one, maybe the entirety of the second half with Rashford passing for Lukaku. I mean, I guess there's not much to do on that one, just in the sense that we didn't really have enough support for Rashford to be able to actually carve out a decent chance. But 
it's just our lack of control of the ball despite the fact that we were definitely sitting off Chelsea and allowing them to dictate possession and trying to hit them on the break to basically kill the game off that was notable and I think we do need to get better when it comes to managing those situations and I guess part of that just comes down to the fact that one of the people that we look to as an outlet Lukaku just had such a rubbish night when it came to touching the ball you know it just felt like every time in the second half that he got it nothing happened or we didn't progress anywhere it's a bit of a running theme isn't it for Lukaku in that it's frustrating that with his size and with his strength just doesn't seem to hold the ball up and you saw in contrast, Rashford, who I thought had an absolutely exceptional game, particularly in the first half, but but in the second, the good you know part of the good bits we did was mainly down to him. Lukaku really offered nothing, and you know he may have been important in the system in terms of occupying centre backs and making space for other people, but again his play on the ball was really poor, and it makes it very difficult for, for United to retain possession if they haven't got an outlet that'll actually hold the ball up for them and allow us to progress up the pitch. I also think there was a temptation. In, in a general sense, that because Chelsea was struggling so badly to actually create and because we were holding them so comfortably for most of the half that it's just easy, I think, to slip into that, that mindset of just trying to be compact and not worrying too much if the ball keeps coming back. I mean, as it was, Chelsea just weren't good enough to break us down and it was just a really, really comfortable half. But you were saying about the second goal, if you, if you look at Rashford's cross, if you watch the, the video back... Pogba's the only United player in the area. There are three Chelsea players essentially occupying that central space in the box. And Rashford, didn't he didn't even control the ball. It was the first time hit and picked Pogba out. As much of a postage stamp as Pogba's pass to Herrera in the first half. Just absolutely perfect for Pogba to, to get his head on it. We weren't perfect and I think we lost a lot of control as we did in the Spurs game. But we were very, very comfortable and, and Romero didn't really have an enormous amount to do for the whole of the second half. I think really the only decent chance that Chelsea made was the hazard run and the shot which Lindelof deflected over the bar but apart from that there wasn't really much that happened. No I mean I guess the difference with the Spurs game as well was that I didn't really feel like we rode our luck too much and obviously that's the difference between a team that Mm. in Spurs is actually looking relatively cohesive in attack and has got options and switches it up. With Chelsea my god they do not switch it up you know like for like replacements last night Stamford Bridge was it was bald piss all over the shot wasn't it? Good grief. I mean, there's no way I can get around it. I genuinely was not necessarily surprised, but it was really satisfying to watch United just perform like that at Chelsea in a big game after the defeat against PSG. And I guess that was, you know, going back to what I was saying earlier on, I think that was further proof of what Solskjaer's done with this side and actually his credentials for the job. You know, you look at Mm. the way that the players like Lindelof, I mean, even Matic to a certain extent. Yeah, Matic we know has still got some drawbacks, especially in the opening stages of the game. He was just getting swarmed upon and Chelsea clearly identified him as a weak link in terms of being able to hold on to the ball. It got better as the game wore on. I'm still not quite sure how we managed to last the last half hour on that booking. I mean, I think maybe yeah. Kevin Friend was, maybe the referee was sort of looking at that first foul where he nipped the ball off Hazard and it was you know, pretty clear at the time from watching it and watching replays that he got the ball and then basically did another foul almost immediately after and might have been seen as quite lucky to escape a red card. But well, fair play to him, he yeah. didn't. So that's a good start. But no, I mean, it's the likes of Herrera in particular. You know, people were raving about his performance and it was impossible not to. You know, he was an absolute live wire all game. A lot of stuff is thrown in Herrera's way in terms of the fact that he gets the club. And that is very, very true. But I think in terms of pure effort and energy and application, I don't think anyone's 
I, no one's outdone him since Solskjaer's come in for me. But, you know, he's constantly tracking back, cutting out loose balls, clearing it. And yeah, he fully deserved that goal. You know, I think he's had a really lovely streak over the last couple of months since he's come into the side. And it's very clear as well from hearing him talk how much he appreciates the players around him. And in particular, talking about Pogba, who, again, I didn't think had a very good half hour until he just did that peach of a cross and basically opened the game up for us. You know, he's talking post-match about the fact that one of his roles alongside Nemanja Matic is to try and help Pogba get the best out of himself. So they'll support him whether or not it's a double pivot or a single pivot in that midfield three. And it's that sort of attitude and application and also this willingness to do absolutely what he has to for the team that I think we're really benefiting from a lot. Yeah, there's calls for him to be captain as well. What do you think to that? I understand why people are saying that because if you if you're looking for a guy who absolutely kind of bleeds or appears to bleed United I don't think you can think of anybody else in the team at the moment or, the, or, or who is the most is as selfless as he is in, in the way he plays you know he's been he's been here for a long time now he may not be the most talented midfielder in, in the Premier League or Europe or whatever but he's one of those guys that you, you like him as a person and well we do I'm not sure our position fans feel the same well, no, no, but as, as fans of the club that he plays for, and we appreciate the way that he's immersed himself in United since he's joined, and the way that he applies himself exactly as he's told to, and essentially sacrifices his set himself in, in any given game for the benefit of the team. And he, he's the most brilliant shithouse <laughs> as well. Essentially, he's got all of the aspects that, that we as fans look for in is as to how when we want to really like a player, and I can see I can see the logic of him being captain. I mean, he's, he's approaching thirty now. He's been at the club for a decent amount of time. People might suggest De Gea, but then I, I wonder if I think it's a matter of taste as to whether people would want a goalie to be captain, or even how important a captain is now. I don't think it's as important as it's, it's often made out to be. No. But I mean, you know, if, if you're looking for a captain, he would be one on the short list who that, that would stand out. I'd say. Sure. I mean, I guess that's pretty much the entire game covered. You know, Chelsea didn't really create that much in the second half and really created even less than that. But I thought we rode out the game very nicely. And then the draw was immediately made after. I mean, I don't know about you. I was certain, certain we were going to draw City in some way, whether that was home or away. Pleased that I'm not, but I'm not necessarily sure Wolves... Wolves away was probably the second worst draw we could have gotten out of that lot. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily want to go down to the den and face Millwall at the minute just because they're bad. Um, But still, a tricky one. I don't think we're going to fall into the same trap that Liverpool fell into earlier on in the FA Cup where they fielded a weakened team almost, not necessarily that they weren't taking it seriously, but they experimented. I expect United to properly go for it in the quarterfinals against Wolves. One game away from Wembley. The way that the draw has opened up with the fact that, you know, there's two championship sides in the last four, in the last eight. The rest of the Premier League clubs are ones that are middling, I would say, without wanting to be too disingenuous. Let me rephrase it. Maybe teams that we would expect to win on a normal game at the minute with the way that we're playing. So if we can get past Wolves into the semi-finals, I think that would be an excellent achievement given the draw that we've had. Yes, Reading was pretty kind and we did all right with that game. But going away to Arsenal and Chelsea and winning both is no mean feat. You know, even in a good season, you would say that's an impressive achievement. So, yeah, how do you view that quarterfinal? What what do you expect to see from that game? Because they've got nothing really to play for. You know, they're safe in the Premier League now. They're not going anywhere. They're not really going to get relegated. They've had a relatively decent season. I think you're right. I think Wolves is the, the, the second most difficult draw we could have got. 
but I think we're, we're in a position ourselves now, and it's some, certainly not something I've, I've felt for a very long time. But you, you look at us, we've, we've gone away to Chelsea, we've gone away to Arsenal, we've gone away to Spurs in these last three months and beaten them all. Looking at an away game against Wolves, it doesn't have the same fear factor that it, that it will have had would indeed it would have had three months ago, you know, and, and I'm pretty sure that the team themselves will be looking at and thinking, you know, okay, it's 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 a tougher draw, but it's it's certainly winnable, and, and Wolves will certainly chuck everything at it because they've got absolutely nothing else to play for in a in a sense of relegation, or I suppose they're, they're probably looking to qualify for Europe, I guess, in in seventh, six, six or seventh, but they'll certainly have a go at it. I think it's just make, got the makings of a really good game because they're two teams that play really open attacking football and it should just be really fun to watch yeah for sure um city with another relatively cushy draw going back down to south wales yeah i mean ultimately if we're going to win the cup it's almost certain we're going to have to beat city which i think would probably probably make it the most difficult fa cup run to victory that we've had bar say probably 99 but even then oh god that was liverpool at home that was chelsea away and that was arsenal twice in the semi-final yeah, and I can't, I can't even remember who else we played, but I mean, it was it was a ridiculous. Um... Well, Middlesbrough, I remember that because that was my first game at Old Trafford. But yeah, that's right. Yeah, I think you probably could argue that if we won it this year and beating City on the way, then it probably the, the hardest route to an FA Cup victory we've, we've ever had as a club. Well, God damn it! Considering we were at the start of this season, <laughs> if yeah. you told us we were going to have this FA Cup run, you would have assumed that we would have got knocked out well before this. So those games, yeah. Given the way that we responded last night and given the fact that we've seen a little bit more tactical nous than I think people thought the Solskjaer was capable of delivering, I think it was it was a very encouraging night's work all told. But I guess now we look forward to the visitors to Old Trafford on Sunday. You know, with Liverpool playing Bayern tonight, I'm probably going to watch that in a little while. The context of the game has definitely changed over the last couple of months, considering that the last time we played them was Mourinho's last game in charge and we got suitably hammered. You know, again, mm. I said at the time, people can talk about those Shakiri goals being lucky or they like in the second half. We 100% deserved to lose that game. We were mm. not good enough. Liverpool were no. better at us in every single aspect and they dominated the game. But hammered, didn't we? It was embarrassing. No, oh, it was awful, wasn't it? And you know, there's no denying it. The context of the game has now completely changed in the sense of what we can expect from United going into this game. You would have expected some fight from United with it being a game at Old Trafford as the stature typically dictates. You know, Moyes season apart, we don't typically get swatted away by Liverpool easily, do we? Normally. Mm. So coming into the game this weekend, the context has changed, hasn't it? Let's be frank. You know, I think we've given ourselves a good chance and given Liverpool so much to think about as well with our form in the last couple of months. You know, it's been encouraging to watch the midfield step up. The defence is looking a lot more solid. Lindelof again had a good game last night and Smalling, to be fair, we didn't make too much mention of him. I thought he came in and did a very good job of dealing with Higuain. The forward line, even Sean of Martial Lingard, can function enough with Pogba in order to create chances and score goals. So at the minute, I do wonder how Solskjaer will approach the game at the weekend. What are you expecting? I think the one question against United under Solskjaer so far is that I think we've been considerably better away from home than we have at home. And yeah. and, and part of that has been teams sitting deep and compactly and not being susceptible to the hard press that we were using because they just wouldn't be drawn out. So it's going to be an interesting tactical battle because... Liverpool have been certainly been a more conservative team this season than they were last season. Obviously, we saw we saw last year that we we essentially played play sort of classic, let draw them out and hit them on the counter 
twice and won the game. I don't think it'll be as easy to, as that to draw Liverpool hmm. out and to open them up. I almost had more confidence about last night, or, or some confidence about last night. Uh, uh, this this Liverpool game is just a complete. <clears throat> I don't know. I don't know where it's going to go. But but the thing that's been added since we lost to Anfield is the is the degree of jeopardy because not only are we playing for ourselves, but if you look at Liverpool, we're playing for the whole country, Rich. We're playing for the whole country. <laughs> if you look at Liverpool's remaining games. We are. This is by far the hardest game they've got. They've got a really relatively soft run in to the end of the season. We can't afford to lose. We can't afford to allow them to win this game. There's an enormous amount of jeopardy on it, not just for United, but also in terms of the will of the entire country. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I guess one of the good things as well is that we haven't really got to worry about that derby for the time being because that's been pushed back to April given the fact that both United and City are in the quarterfinals of the FA Cup. So we haven't got to deal with the moral conundrum of, oh my God, City are probably the only team that can stop Liverpool from winning the league, but we don't want to lose to City and potentially jeopardise our place in the top four. (laughs) Let's deal with that for another night. I suspect that's still going to be the case when we we have to play them in April, but let's hope it's not anyway. Fingers crossed. All right, let's catch up with Liverpool. Right, Rich, where do you want to start? Sunday's attritional draw with Liverpool or the victory against Palace tonight? I think you could start on either because I think both games were further signs that whatever Solskjaer's doing or that little quorum of the four coaches doing is is working. And both of them in their both games in their own way, really, I'd, I'd say, said improved his reputation that he's, that he's built up in the last three months. You know, for different reasons, but obviously, I mean, the, the, the Liverpool game. I've never seen an occurrence like that where a team loop essentially loses four players to injury in the first half. Mm. Bear in mind, they've, Liverpool have played Watford tonight and absolutely blattered them 5-0. To have achieved the, perhaps not the score, but the, but the performance in which we, we could have won, and we were the best, certainly the better team on Saturday. And to, to have done that, given the circumstances, I think was really, really impressive. Yeah, I mean, I think... Oof started badly on the personnel front and didn't really get any better did it you know there was some heartening news prior to the game that Lingard and Martial could be back and Lingard was fit enough for a place on the bench you know Martial's still not back and wasn't even given a place on the bench tonight which is wise move considering how quickly Lingard pulled up but yeah uh, it was a tricky one wasn't it you know what was I can't try to remember the the order of the injuries Rashford seemed to be having problems then Herrera went then uh, Matter went, and then Lingard, who'd replaced Matter, had to come off as well. It was a bit of a ridiculous first half. I mean, I think, speaking there about Solskjaer's reputation, considering the fact that we were dealing with, especially with Matic out as well, you know, and that was a completely alien sort of midfield three bar Pogba, you know, bringing in Pereira and McTominay, I don't think there's any other way to look at it. I think we did a great job of adapting to the situation. You know, Liverpool were not at their best. I think that's clear. I don't know whether or not that was the case of the fact that they just couldn't get through us or whether or not they just weren't on their game at all, but they weren't allowed to enjoy themselves in the way that they've typically been accustomed to for the most part of this season. And I think that's a big testament to the way that we were organised. And I think, yeah, I don't think they really could have had many complaints so we actually snuck a win from that game. You know, we carved out the better opportunities over the course of that 90 minutes. You know, I can't remember one decent save or one important save that De Gea had to make, which is, you know, considering how much criticism has been levied at this defence and the fact that it wasn't fit for purpose, I think that's a pretty bloody good achievement. Yeah, it really is. I mean, there's a long list of players that, that Solskjaer seems to have rehabilitated to to a degree. I don't, I don't think anybody at the back has been playing better than Victor Lindelof has. Uh, he's certainly improved under Mourinho, but he's 
moved up a level since Solskjaer's come in. Smalling was was really really good, and, and Luke Shaw had an absolutely excellent game against against Mo Salah. And I think United did play well, and United defended very well. And given the changes, I think, and given the way that the PSG game slipped away from us when we had to deal with two injuries, I think the response was was really good. But we're also playing against the Liverpool team. I think that looked tired. I think they drawn. I think that was their fourth draw in five games in all competitions. They'd only got a point at, at West Ham, and even then they're. That was with an offside goal. Couldn't score against Bayern at home. They they looked they looked jaded because if you look man for man at those two teams, that Liverpool team had more talent on the pitch than United did. But I think through through Liverpool's own issues, through some really excellent performances by some some key players, and just through Solskjaer being able to change things tactically during the game to take account of what are really really unusual circumstances. And I think Danny Higginbottom wrote a piece about Paul Pogba. And if you if you kind of watch the highlights of the game, then you wouldn't have seen seen him do much. But he pointed out that he essentially he really sacrificed his own game for the good of the team in that game. And if you watch it back, he re- he really did. He was doing all the dirty work that he wouldn't normally have to do. He was helping McTominay and Pereira along, and he was really giving that sort of guidance that that we've seen him do for for France, but we haven't necessarily seen that side of him at United in recent months. And I think another semi-triumph for, for Solskjaer in what were just absolutely bizarre circumstances. Yeah, I mean, I think you mentioned Pereira and McTominay there. Those were the two of the bright spots for me in particular. You know, Pereira got absolute pelters for his mistake that led to Burnley's second goal, I think it was, in the, the game that we played a little while ago. And, you know, McTominay's been ritually ridiculed for his uh, perceived level of skill. And put it this way, to put it in context, I don't think it's wrong to have doubts about their suitability for a role at United in the long term or at the top level. You know, we haven't necessarily seen enough impressive performances or moments or noteworthy moments from the two of them combined this season in particular to really be able to say that they're going to be a part of Solskjaer's plans going forward or the next manager's plans going forward. Having said that, I thought that they adapted to the situation really well on Sunday. You know, it's not an easy game to come into. It's intense. The atmosphere was electric. Liverpool, with their form and with the attacking dangers that they've got, despite the fact that they were a bit blunted, still posed a threat. You know, they, they still had to be shut down and we still had to win the ball back and we still had to get it moving quickly to stand any chance of threatening them. And I think for the most part, they did that quite well. And I think Pereira in particular, because that is the first time he'd been back in the side properly for a decent amount of time since that Burnley game, it was important for him to make a statement and look like he belonged there. And I think I think he did. You know, I'm not necessarily sure about his suitability long term, as I said, but that was an encouraging aspect. You mentioned Luke Soror as well. He had a great game. I think looking at, you know, comparisons with tonight where Lukaku acting as that main striker actually had a great game, I think... It's that sort of dichotomy with Lukaku when we actually look back on the Sunday game because I think his all-around hold-up play was shocking. Absolutely, <laughs> but yeah. he was still part. Yeah, but he was still part of those two big moments mm. in that game that could have rewarded us with a goal. You know, it was a great little disguise pass to set up Lingard, and Lingard couldn't just get it past Allison. You know, and that was really our best chance of the game. And then an excellent cross out wide, and. I've got to say, if it's any one other at the far post there, as opposed to Chris Smalling, I think that's going in. You know, you see that ball come across. It's just that little bit of instinct to stick some part of your body or a leg or anything out that isn't your arm yeah. to divert that into the net. And that's going in. 
It's just the fact that it was a centre-back who's not particularly used to being in those situations. We'll look back on that game over the course of this season, regardless of where the title goes, and say that was a well-earned point. Because you think back to the context of the last time we played Liverpool, we got absolutely hammered. And the, the way that the team has transformed itself... It deals with setbacks much better. All right, PSG game aside, we didn't necessarily cope with that situation well. But there seems to be more of a steal about United now. They don't let themselves get knocked back too much. And, you know, in the context of that game, decent point. And, you know, a good good example tonight. You know, I'm getting a little bit ahead of ourselves, but, you know, there's not a hell of a lot more to take out of that game, I would say. Looking at this evening, conceded that goal at an important time 2-0 up, we didn't let our heads drop and we create the chance immediately afterwards. And especially this evening, considering how many players were out, you know, none of the ones that were absent or injured in that game against Liverpool were available. What a great job by Solskjaer to get us not only looking, not only winning the game, but looking coherent and actually attacking really well. Perhaps the most the most striking thing that that, that I see and feel when I when I'm watching United now compared to when I was watching Mourinho's United this season is that I'd look at put the team under Mourinho and I'd wonder how we were getting so little out of so many players players that I considered to have more than they were actually showing by a long way and now I watch United under Solskjaer and I think how is he getting so much out of so many players we've had to start tonight's game essentially with a right back on the right wing We've had to start with McTominay in midfield again with Fred, who it's quite clear that Solskjaer really doesn't rate at all. And there's all sorts of rumours and murmurs about his supposed performances in training. And he's had virtually no options on the bench. You know, Rashford clearly wasn't fit enough to start, so he was only able to come on for the last few minutes. He had to bring Bailly on and essentially, not even sure what position he was playing, kind of a second right back. And, and then even bringing on, bringing on Garner at the end. And I, and I look at that performance, and I know Crystal Palace are no great shakes and they've struggled to score at home but even so going away without 10 first team squad players including your first choice front six I mean if you think about that if you if you were to apply that to say Liverpool or or Spurs or whoever and take away five of their their, their first choice front six you'd really think where are they going to get results from and, and to have done that and to go away from home as well and and to win a game it, it was ultimately comfortable but it wasn't comfortable for a 15 or 20 minutes there, but to have come to, <laughs> cut, to have come away with a win, which was ultimately a two-goal win, relatively comfortable win, with those personnel, I think is really, really impressive again. And I, I just keep waiting for it to... I keep waiting for the bubble to burst. And I'm just starting to, to, to feel that perhaps it might not. And I don't know whether it's Solskjaer himself. You know, he's obviously formed that quorum with Mike Phelan and Kieran McKenna and, and Michael Carrick. And we don't know how much what they're doing is is as a group is a is a, a, a group think, or whether they're just putting forward ideas and Solskjaer's you know essentially making the big calls. But you could see on the bench, whereas Mourinho was generally quite isolated from his staff, he didn't he tended to be on the touchline a lot. He wasn't really talking to other people. You could see all the way through that game, all four of them were in deep conversation for large portions of the of the match. I don't know whether it's by accident or whether it's by whether it's been by design. I suspect it's probably to a degree accident, but it just seems like we've hit upon something with those four members of staff that is just working and is probably going to work beyond... I mean, where are we already beyond the honeymoon period? <laughs> I don't know, where, where does the honeymoon period end? But we must be towards the end of it. 
I mean, true. I I do need to point one thing out that I just remember for the Liverpool game that wound me up quite a bit, yeah. which is that ridiculous free kick routine where we hit it, took a touch to steady the ball, and then managed to find ourselves offside on three separate <laughs> occasions. Yeah. God damn, that wound me up. Oh, just one, just one stay onside. It's not like it was too difficult, but still. When does the honeymoon period end? That is an incredibly good question. I don't know. I mean, I'm doing my best not to... I mean, as as a person who overanalyzes everything, I'm trying not to think too hard about it because... You know, look at the away fans this evening and just as the game was winding down when Ashley Young got the third tonight, you know, we'll get onto the goals in the general game in a little while. I'm just enjoying United in general at the minute, so I'm not trying to think too far ahead. You know, I think ultimately what will spell success for this season is most likely going to, and that will earn Solskjaer the job. If you're going to put a gun to my head, I would probably say get in the top four, get to the FA Cup final, and the job is most likely his. But at the moment, I'm not really too worried about that. I'm enjoying the short term for once with United. You know, it's nice to look forward to Saturday at Southampton and look forward to what we might do, you know, and the fact that we're able to perform at Sellers Park, which has typically been a tricky ground for us over the last few years, despite the fact that we've never lost to Palace. You know, we've come very close to losing over the last couple of years and it took an absolute worldie from Matic to, you know, pull us back from 2-0 down and get us winning 3-2 last season. I think the fact that we're able to get a coherent attacking performance and a determined performance out of the players that we put out tonight, despite the fact that several of them haven't been involved in what you would consider Solskjaer's core lineup, is uh, it's excellent. I mean, the thing is, we were attacking from the off coherently as well. You know, Dallow on the right actually worked incredibly well, you know, consistently until he got taken off later on in the game. I thought he looks an excellent threat down that right flank. I mean, I guess it helps as well that you've got Young behind him. But there's still some issues that we need to sort out. You know, you look at the way that we conceded that goal in the second half and it was not great, was it? You know, the cross, the entirety of the build-up play for Ward's goal was messy from us. We didn't get the ball clear. The cross was allowed in and no one was anywhere near Ward for that header. And at that point at 2-0 up, I think you could probably criticise United for coasting a little bit. But... Again, you flip that over in a situation where Palace have actually been playing quite well. We took the game to them, didn't we? You know, we showed some initiative. It was great to see Shaw as well involved in the build-up for Lukaku's first goal, wasn't it? Great run and a really tidy finish by Romilly. I mean, again, I was not necessarily too impressed with his performance on Sunday, but tonight playing as a central striker I thought he did pretty well. What do you reckon? Yeah, it's the same. It's the same thing for me. Romelu Lukaku is one of the most confusing footballers I've ever come across yes <laughs> yeah in the the, the the he always he scores goals whatever wherever he goes he will score goals one minute he can do something really terrific i mean i think the both finishes for the goals tonight were really technically very good as you said on on saturday he set up our best two chances particularly the the sort of disguised pass through to to lingard which is something he's done before um successfully in other games and on the other he he's incapable of controlling the football and passing it five yards to a guy who's standing there unmarked i go I, every game is i just go through this this roller coaster of of being delighted by something he does and then be just being absolutely aghast by something he does and i still can't work it out i still can't really work out whether he's really good or 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 not you know he's coming in in circumstances where Solskjaer seemed to decide very early on that the rashford 
Martial and Lingard will be his front three because of their ability to press and pace and dynamism. But in the context of that, he's come in, he's been rotated in, then he's come in through necessity. And in almost every game, he's actually delivered something. And, it, and there's been a lot of talk about whether he, one of those players, I think you know, Sanchez is certainly one that we have concerns over, but whether Lukaku just wasn't going to work under under Solskjaer and if he got the job you couldn't we couldn't really see where his long-term future at United would be but Solskjaer seems to be getting something out of him he seems he's getting numbers out of him he's getting effective effective moments in games and so it's I don't think it's as clear-cut as Lukaku just can't work under Solskjaer because because something's working well it's it's it was never as binary as all that really was it you know there have been good moments you know he played excellently in that game against Arsenal he had a, a couple of bum notes here and there but there we go and, you know, I think we both agree that the hold-up play against Liverpool on Sunday was poor. Yeah. But he was still part of two massive moments that both of which could have led to a goal against them. So <laughs> it's it's a difficult one to judge. And again, one that I'm not really that bothered to delve too deeply into at this point, just purely because tonight was a good night for him, yeah, wasn't it? as long you as know, it's I working, it who was cares? A... Yeah, exactly. I mean, first goal, really, that was a confident finish as well. Mm. You know, that's that's not a curling finish that you try if you're completely devoid of any confidence in yourself whatsoever. And that was really encouraging. And I guess that made up for the fact that he completely skied a uh, pretty presentable opportunity early on from the corner when he was unmarked. But there we go. Let's say that Sitter, later. that was a sitter, you <laughs> It was a sitter, yes, that's true. But then again, you know, I think the the hooked finish into the roof of the net at the start of the second half was excellent. Yeah, it, was. it was an interesting corner routine. Yeah, crossed out quite far, and then Smalling, and then Lindelof, and Lukaku just allowed it to go over him, and then hooked it over right into the roof of the net. And I think that's exactly what you wanted to see in that point, because United had that one goal lead. You know, Palace were threatening intermittently, but United clearly had another gear that they could go into. So to get a goal at that point essentially gave us a bit of a cushion. Again, going back to what I was saying earlier on, the disappointment was that we kind of let up a little bit and allowed Palace back into the game. And we had a few hairy moments here and there where you know you could almost see on another evening it was going to end up 2-2. And then for some ridiculous reason, Paul Pogba hadn't assisted or scored a goal in this game. So he had to pop up and make sure that he was adding to the score in some sort of positive way and set Ashley Young up. Yeah, we've like, we've seen in, um, in in other games recently how teams have, to a degree, targeted Ashley Young in, in a defensive capacity. The one area that defence has looked shaky in is is there, and I don't think it's really a surprise that we essentially conceded again from a, from across from the left, although he was far from being the only culprit for that, for that goal. It was just a sequence of players who made very half half asked efforts to to make a tackle or clear the ball mm. but again the you know the flip side of Ashley Young is what we what we got late in the game when we when we kind of went to three at the back and he was a wing back and he was freed and he got the got the goal but yeah I, you know I think as long as as long as Ashley Young is playing right back United are going to have a degree of susceptibility to players getting in behind in, in our right back position you know ultimately it's it's a, it's an area we're going to have to going to have to improve on but if you look at United if you look at United's defensive record over the last two or three months comparative to what it was before it's not rubbish it's is not it? rubbish at all it's actually very very good we've seen Chelsea ultimately disassemble Spurs tonight they played pretty creditably against City at the weekend and didn't and prevent them from scoring and you know United just go there with 2-0 and, and don't let Nicole the same at Spurs although to a degree that was <laughs> thanks to David Hayer but the great thing about this team now is that even if we do 
even if we are slightly susceptible to the back and might concede a goal, you could always see us scoring more. Yeah, we can compensate for that. That's something that we weren't able to do over the last several years. You felt that once we let in a goal or two, how are we going to react? Would we sink into ourselves? Would we, you know, spontaneously combust and not be able to respond? Would we not be able to create a chance? You know, it was all sort of very sort of plucky and not necessarily a very gallant way of going about our football. But these days, you know, again, PSG game aside, and I'm not necessarily sure we're going to really be able to overturn a two-goal deficit when we go to Paris next week. But anyway, that's a story for another time. I think there's just more strength about this, isn't there? There's more belief, there's more confidence you still feel like even when we do have a setback during the games, we know we're mentally better equipped to respond to it because the players maybe aren't worried about the fact that they're not going to get called up for making a mistake, for making an incorrect pass, for giving the ball away, for not defending a corner properly or whatever. There's more trust from the manager to the players. And I think that's transmitting quite well in terms of their response to when we do have a setback, for what we do concede, when we might have a bad result. You know, every time that we've had a bad result so far in the Solskjaer, you know, let's have let's point out to those that's two. What, once, Drew against Burnley, well, yeah, and then two. we won. Lost to PSG, and then we beat Chelsea several days later. So the team at the minute is responding to its setbacks quite well. And, you know, it, it, it it's going to make for a really fascinating end to the season for this top four battle. You know, as you mentioned there, Chelsea beating Spurs. With Arsenal playing Spurs at the weekend, should Spurs fail to get a result and we beat Southampton at home on Saturday afternoon? I mean, you'd, you'd probably say that third to sixth are involved in that top four race. You know, Chelsea have still got a game in hand over the rest of us at the minute. So that's certainly something to take into the equation. But with Spurs having lost to Burnley at Turf War on Saturday, it really makes it interesting. And it's difficult to pick two out of those teams that are certain to go through. I mean, especially with the way Spurs are going at the minute, you know, there's another chat to have about Pochettino's suitability for the job at the minute, considering what's going on there. But yeah, regardless, it's getting very, very interesting, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's. I've been poring over the fixtures this evening, trying to trying to work out who's got the edge. And you know, Spurs have still got to go to City and Liverpool, which are two really, really tough games. They've still got Arsenal to play as well. United have got City at home and Arsenal away. And I think that's that's going to be a really, really important game going forward. That Arsenal game. You know, we know we're well capable of going there and winning, but I do. But I think on their day, Arsenal are well capable of beating us as well. They beat Chelsea there only a few weeks ago, so they're, they're well capable of putting a performance that if, we, if we're not right on it. But you trust Solskjaer to, to have us going there with a plan that would put us in a position where we can win the game. Hmm. Arsenal have got relatively decent fixtures after Spurs at the weekend, I think. It's, it's going to be really tight. It's going to be so tight. I mean, I, I was looking at United's fixtures and thinking, you know, after Southampton, we've got a, quite a dirty run in to, to, towards the end of the season until we play Huddersfield and Cardiff in the last two games. But then I, I think, you know, we're capable of being anybody under Oli at the moment. So why not? Sure. I mean, I think that record of away wins is probably going to be under pretty big threat when it comes to uh, Paris next week. Yeah. But still, you know, it's difficult to understate especially a result like tonight and a performance like tonight, given that we're missing Matic, Herrera, Martial, Lingard, Mata. You know, these aren't inconsequential players to us. All right, you might say that Mata isn't necessarily a, a definite first-choice starter, but they are. They have all been a large part of the way we played in the last several weeks. So it's with great enjoyment that you can see the lights at McTominay and Fred, who had an all right game tonight, and Dallow come in and actually have a positive effect and look like they can be you know, useful cogs in what Solskjaer's trying to create. Mm. 
Anyway, mate, I think we'll leave it there for this week. Uh, any quick predictions for Southampton and PSG? Ooh, I've just one thing I was going to say because I'm just checking. We've United, United have actually scored first in twelve of the fifteen games we've played under Solskjaer, which is which is nice. incredibly important. We were exactly the opposite under Bruno this season. We were conceding the, our first halves were just a wasteland, weren't they? And we were so often behind at half time. I think that's been absolutely Which that key. First half of the season was a wasteland. It was a wasteland, but I think you know to, to be going ahead in games is so important because of the psychological boost it gives you from there. In terms of going forward, mm. I think you would certainly hope we'd beat Southampton. We've been less effective at home, I think, particularly against teams who are compact and aren't drawn out and we can't hit, the, hit on the break. So I expect it to be quite a stodgy game, but you'd hope potentially with one or two players back as well we we should be winning that game really yeah we should. PSG I think is just honestly a write-off I don't think it would be realistic to go there and overturn a two-goal deficit with uh, every player fit but to go there with <laughs> the number of missed players missing we've got particularly without Pogba who's suspended I think that's just one to go and just try and give some sort of decent account of ourselves and and just not get completely blattered in out you know out of existence mm. i'm going for two nil against southampton yeah. and three one against psg really three three one that two us against psg yes yes i yes. I, 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 I admire your uh your, your optimism <laughs> i'm all over it mate i mean to be fair if it doesn't happen fair enough yeah i mean I, we're in the context i'm flying free is what i'm doing right now you are you just think, think about it. We're, we're talking about the first knockout round of the champions league the fact that we're already essentially out after the first game and it doesn't really feel that bad does it not in comparison with last year no, no. i mean i've listened back to our post severe episode just because apparently i'm just a complete masochist mm. and we were so frustrated and so done with the situation after that game against severe i know there was still a lot more to come after that and there were still decent days in the preceding months but that was a real turning point and that was a complete surrender against a team that were inferior to us Mm. with PSG they're not inferior we still gave an all right account of ourselves even if we didn't play to our potential and regardless of the fact that we're most likely going to lose that tie when we play the second leg next week we won't have lost because we were cowardly and that is a massive step forward, regardless of the fact that we are going out at the same stage. We've got to do better going forward. We can't keep going out at this stage in the competition if realistically we want to grow and start winning it again. So, yes, that does need to be looked at. It's still underachievement in the Champions League. But considering what's come on this season, considering the draw, considering everything else surrounding it, I don't feel as frustrated or anywhere near as disappointed as I felt this time last year after the severe second leg. Anyway, Rich, we will leave it there for tonight. Thank you as ever for your company. No problem. Guys, thank you very much for listening. And don't forget, you can get us all over Twitter or the internet if you so wish. You can get Rich at, at Rich Red Voices, me at, at you and Leonard, the pod at Red Voices MUSC, and you can actually get our website at redvoices.net. And if you want to listen to us, you can listen to us all over SoundCloud. You can get us on the Apple Podcast app. You can get us on Spotify. You can get us on Stitcher. Basically, just search Red Voices and you will see anywhere and you're more than likely to find us. That's generally how that's going to go. Anyway, make sure you have yourselves a superb week. We'll be back on the next one. Bye.